knowledge for the culture, a place for us to learn and thrive. It's your girl, Rachel, and I'm back again with another episode. So today we're going to talk about life as a first generation student. And for those who don't know, a first generation student is somebody who is the first one in their family to either attend college or high school. And we're going to talk about college in this sense. And being in the first is definitely something to celebrate. So shout out to all the first gens out there. You are seen. We see you. Um, But it can be challenging as well. So with me to give some advice on this subject, I have the amazing Arabi Hassan, who is the founder of First Generation Empower. So hello, Arabi. How are you doing? Hi, Rachel. Thank you so much for having me. I'm great. How are you doing? I'm doing good, especially now that you're here. I'm feeling even better. So um, thank you for coming. So first, before we start, just um, to introduce yourself, like your name, pronoun, and what school you go to. Yeah. So my name is Arabi. My pronouns are she, her, hers. So currently I am a first year student at Harvard Law School. So I'm a graduate student, but I graduated from UC Berkeley for my undergraduate. I got a I have a bachelor's in sociology and I graduated in 2019. Oh, wow. Okay. Recent grad. Congrats on that. Um, So let's get started with these questions. So first I wanted to ask um, your experience with the college process. Like how did you navigate applying um, to undergrad college in the first place? Yeah. So for me, my trajectory was a little bit different than I would say most other people's because I am a community college transfer. So um, after high school, I decided, even though I had applied to multiple universities and gotten in, I decided to first go to my local community college in Los Angeles. Um, So I went to Los Angeles Valley College, LAVC, uh, spent two years there and then transferred to UC Berkeley after that. And so for me, the, the application process was different for both stages. So out of high school, I was very lost. So I couldn't tell you if there was a process at all. There wasn't. I was just kind of blindly applying everywhere where my friends were applying, all the places people were talking about. Um, I think in LA, like the big schools are the UCs and the Cal State University system. So I applied there. Um, But out of community college, I was way more intentional about where I was going to apply. Um, And I had a very like targeted goal in mind of transferring At the time, I wanted to transfer to UCLA, Um, ended up not doing that. But um, yeah, so I think with a goal in mind, I was able to keep up my grades because I my in my head, for me, everything was about preparing myself to transfer to this university I really wanted to go to. So keeping up my grades was really important. Mm, Wow, definitely a non-traditional experience. But I loved like when you said, just being intentional when you're intentional the second time around, like not just applying to places because of rankings or what you heard from people, but like, where do you see yourself going that will help you accomplish the goals where you are going to like head to. So that's definitely like a good point. And I feel you on that in high school. I just, uh, many places I applied just to sake with applying, like, Oh, it looks nice. Let me apply. Oh, it's a nice name. Let me apply. But like. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I think for especially for high, like younger students, the, the ranking and the prestige, we get very caught up in that. Understandably. So I understand yeah. where that comes from. 
but I like did no research on any of the colleges I applied to before I applied because in my head all that matters was that they were good schools but I didn't know what it meant for a school to be good so yes don't buy into the whole ranking and prestige thing so easily I would say it's a good advice just in life in general yeah y'all prestige is not everything like some people some schools act all prestigious but they're just broke with a gucci belt okay so like (laughs) don't get caught up on that so the next question i have for you is um talking a little about life as an undergrad being a first gen in undergrad especially you went to a predominantly white institution you're a woman of color like how did you navigate um college like as an undergrad student yeah so okay so community college was very different from um, univer- like, you know, from Berkeley, uh, my CC was very predominantly people of color, a lot of immigrant folks from like lower income backgrounds. So I think there I felt not so out of place because to be honest, a lot of those people were like people I went to high school with. So it didn't feel like a huge transition or culture shock. I think going to Berkeley was a bigger change of just environment in general. Um, yes, Berkeley does have a large white population, which I coming from like the Valley in Los Angeles, there aren't that many white folks around. I didn't go to school with any, you know, like my peers weren't white. They were mostly people of color. So that was a huge change for me and just kind of trying to convince my, not convince myself, but like trying to believe that I actually belong there was really hard for me because in my head, I kept thinking, well, it was a mistake. I don't know how I got in, but I wasn't supposed to be here. Um, And I think the intersection of that is also class. I think a lot of my classmates at Berkeley were from wealthier backgrounds. And I think that can be really hard because I felt like so many of their um, parents had gone to college. They were professionals. My parents don't like, you know, my dad works at a gas station. My mom doesn't work. So that disparity or like that difference in class was also something that got, it it took me a while to get used to. Mm, Yeah, definitely. Um, a lot of people talk about the intersections, like not only with the race, but with class, like being around a lot of wealthy people, it, it, it'd be like hurting your spirit sometimes. Like I even went, even had a lot of wealthy people in my high school as well. And I would go around shopping in the mall with some people and feel like, uh, like, uh, like mm-hmm. uncomfortable, like, can I even buy this? Can I even do that? And then you start limiting yourself too, like, oh, this place seems too much for me or too expensive for me should I even apply there at all but don't believe all that hype for sure but it definitely does have a weight on your spirit um the next question um how do you have like advice on like how did you get advice in the first place like how did you get mentorship because since you're the only one in your family that went to school in America how, where do you get your like mentorship from? You know, people tell you that networking is important, but man, networking is important. And I didn't really realize that um, until I got to college. I think I have always been really good at finding like one person, like one adult in my life who was always 
always got my back. So in high school, it was one of my teachers, uh, my U.S. history teacher, Mr. Crosby. He was a person I would ask for help with anything in life, um, like whether that be like family problems or, or school or college. Once I got to community college, I found a professor who helped me with that journey as well. Um, and she was the one who said, you have to go to Berkeley, like what you want to study, the kind of person you are that will like you will find a better fit at Berkeley over UCLA. So I found that mentorship in community mm -hmm. college. Once I got to Berkeley, it was a little bit harder because it's a huge university, yeah. um, like 40,000 students, massive campus. There's a million things going on at all times. My classes were huge, like 200 students per classroom kind of thing. So I had to be more like intentional about finding people. And so um, my primary way of finding mentorship there was just like, I was doing research for some uh, research centers and for professors. And along the way, I got to kind of get to know them better and they became really good advisors and mentors to me. And most of them were also actually women. And I think Ooh. having that like mentorship from other women, that was really life-changing, truly. Yeah. When you're a woman, you have woman mentorship. That just hits different. Like yes. the connection is more real for sure. And Definitely. I think this is like a good thing to mention you. It seems like a lot of professors, um, you get advice from a lot of professors. Um, and I know it's nerve wracking to talk to professors, but talk to your professors. Like if not all of them, but if you see one that's like aligns with your interests and what you want to do and you just like them a lot and they're connecting with you send an email, you know, go to their office hours, like their job is to help you and not just like with the subject matter, but like help you outside, like go to where you want to be outside of college. So don't be yeah. afraid to utilize professors that you're interested in because it's literally their job. They're not going to be like, ew, gross. The most they'll <laughs> do is like ignore, like not ignore, but they won't see your email right away. And if they don't yes. email them again, like <laughs> people are busy sometimes. So definitely don't be afraid to reach out to professors that you have a good feeling about. I have never regretted um, reaching out to a professor, even if it was like a really not like, a you know, like a mediocre conversation. Yeah. In my head, I was like, OK, I'm so glad I reached out. Um, I will say don't overwhelm yourself and try to be like, I'm going to go talk to all of my professors during office hours because I have never oh, yeah, done no. that in my life. Me neither. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Find one professor who you feel like will have your back or like you feel comfortable with. And I think especially for people of color or women of color, that tends to be the other woman professor or the, the professor who is also of color. Whatever yeah. it is that you feel like makes you feel like you can relate to them, go to their office hours. And you don't even have to have questions about classes um ask them about what you should do after college after graduation tell them you're really confused and need help and do they have any advice yeah. ask them about their lives people love talking about themselves just like get them talking about who yeah. they are and how yeah about their career trajectories it doesn't have to be about classes yes yeah I'll, yeah I'll listen to that because that's straight facts right there uh next question uh, we're going to talk about how like entering college, like before the summer before, like before you step foot on campus in your undergrad, like how did you even prepare for that? Okay, so my advice would be don't just go to orientation and chill mm -hmm. because your life is about to get real crazy. So just like 
go spend time with friends if you if you're not going to see them once you move to college go spend time with your family members especially if you're moving away and living and dorming and stuff i on the other hand <laughs> didn't do any of those things uh, <laughs> The summer after high school, so right before community college, I actually took started taking summer classes. So I got a head start mm. because I was like, I am going to graduate in two years. I need to get this done. So I was very focused on that. Um, and then the summer before transferring to Berkeley, I did this pre-law summer program. Um, and that was actually amazing because it was completely fully paid. Um, so I was living at a law school campus, taking law classes, getting exposed to different career pathways in the legal profession. Um, also, they gave us money to like buy Starbucks and dinner and lunch and just, it was very much okay. all expense paid. So I was living the good life that one summer. <laughs> Um, yeah, so if you want to get involved in some sort of summer immersion program, there are a ton of them out there. I don't think it's by any means necessary. If you just want to chill and watch Netflix all summer long and hang out with friends and go to the beach or whatever, that is completely fine. Yeah, for sure. Like, okay, I wasn't expecting you to say like, don't because but that's definitely like a good point. Like, I think especially now with the pandemic, I think a lot of people have a lot of pressure of, oh, I need to do something, just research or get a job or something like, and they don't want to take a break because they're like, my CV, my resume needs to be filled. And it's like, if you literally can't do something or do not want to do something, do not feel pressured to do something. You're not going to like not get accepted to graduate school or not get accepted to a program because of it. Like, especially right now, opportunities are kind of hard to come by. They're there, but not as common or they're virtual, you know? So don't feel pressure. Like at the end of the day, you're a human being before you're a student or like a job applicant, you know? So definitely don't feel pressure. If you do want to though, because I like being productive. If you do want to definitely do tap into programs or create something of your own, but it is by no no means like necessary, like or mandatory or anything. Um, I will say this is probably the last summer, uh, I don't want to say of your life, in, in the next few years that you can actually get away with not doing something. Yeah. Because after you start college, I think there is a pressure to have a summer internship lined up every summer or like do some, like put something productive over spring break or winter break. I feel like there's always this like pressure on students to be active and go, go, go this summer might be the only one you have to just chill and not do anything. But um, Rachel, like you were saying, if students do want to do something, I do recommend doing some research um, into what your university has to offer in yeah. terms of like resources, support, research programs, volunteering opportunities, just get a lay of the land. The so once you start college, you have a little, you kind of have an understanding of what's available and what you can um, take advantage of. Yeah, definitely. For sure. Ugh, yeah, like that's facts. Like once you start, it's really hard to actually have your full summer to yourself. And the older you get, the less time you're going to get, especially if you're in a very competitive or like intense college. So definitely utilize that time before you even start to take that time for yourself. Um, so that is definitely facts. And next question. Um how like resources in your undergrad experience how did you utilize those resources what were those resources um that helped you like 
carry on, um, helped you um, graduate and get through those four years? Yeah, um, I think my biggest resource, like the first one that comes to mind is like this, the re, like the, like a student center for um, low income and first generation students. So mm -hmm. in California, that's called the PE, Educational Opportunity Program. I'm sure in other states, um, there's something similar on, on whatever college campus you're going to. Um, but yeah, it's basically like a wraparound all purpose resource center for historically underrepresented students. That's how they sort of describe it. Um, and so they were such a huge help. I would say primarily financially for me because um, the EOP at Berkeley, they would have tiny grants for things like basic needs. So like buying grocery, paying your rent, things like that. Um, I went to college fully on like need-based financial aid. And so for me, that money was really, really important. It helped me pay for my groceries, it helped me pay for my rent, things like that. Um, Beyond that, I also took advantage of the Career Services Center. I had someone like a counselor look over my resume to make sure it was okay. Um, and also just these different resource centers have newsletters usually you can sign up for. Yeah. And what they will do is every week or every month, they will send you different opportunities around campus that you other might, otherwise might not hear about, especially if your campus is really large and like there's like lots of different things going on. And so I would hear about like research opportunities or uh, internships or like spring break trips that I could take, things like that, that I signed up for. Um, so it almost served as like an informal virtual counseling because these like EOP and all these other res like resource centers would send me emails and I would sign up for things that way. Mm, yeah, definitely EOPs. Um, my college has those things and every college has like a, a different name for it but EOPs are definitely like the general term definitely look out for those careers career centers every college has some type of career or professional center that helps with resumes helps you find opportunities internships things like that so don't be afraid to use those and with check your email like check your email because People just randomly would send um, emails like, oh, there's this fellowship you could apply for. There's this internship opportunity. There's this job or the career center is having a resume workshop. Like, don't just ignore your emails because people will be dropping gems in there that once you mm -hmm. apply, it will probably work out for you in the summer or you'll get some money out of it or you learn a lot from it. So don't ignore um, those emails because people just be sending stuff out for free like, oh do this, do that. Yeah. Also affinity groups. So um, affinity groups could be like just for whatever racial or ethnic background that you identify with. So for me, that would be the Asian American yeah. uh, affinity group. So uh, at Berkeley, we had this like larger umbrella organization called the Multicultural Resource Center. And then mm. within that was housed all of the affinity groups for different groups. So like for black students and Asian students and Latinx students and all of that. They have this amazing program, like the entire Multicultural Resource Center. Um, they had this program where in the spring break of your senior year, they would take you on an all uh, paid trip to grad schools in the East Coast. So oh, I got wow. to visit Harvard, Yale, Georgetown, like all these like, you know, big name law schools and other people got to visit medical schools and, and master's programs. Um, and the entire thing was paid for. So like flights and food and hotels and everything. Basically, the idea was making this trip 
affordable or accessible for students who could normally not afford something like that, right? Yeah. I would have never visited the East Coast and gone to five different states to visit law schools because I don't have that kind of money. Yeah. And so I think these affinity groups and just any sort of resource center that's specifically catered to marginalized and underrepresented students, they try to uh, basically offer things like opportunities and programs to make you like to make it more affordable for you, make it accessible in a way that wouldn't be otherwise. And wow. oftentimes it is because it's free or like really cheap or just like scholarships and things like that. Wow, that's amazing. And you're in Harvard Law School now. So look at that. So that's so true, though, the multicultural, the affinity groups, like even tapping into like clubs like BSUs, if you're black or like clubs related to your race or ethnicity, like people just be sharing things in a group chat, like, hey, there's this event or there's this um, professional speaking, like I've, I want to be a doctor. So I've heard from many different doctors that looked like me sharing their experience or sharing their contact information um, because I would go to like a meeting for like black women or a meeting for like black people in general interested in medicine and things like that. So don't be afraid to like go into those groups and there are people that look like you that have similar experiences. So it's just a good time, you know, a definitely a good time. So that's like amazing that your school offered that. And I also wanted to ask, speaking of money, um, how you were able to afford college, like um, what scholarships or financial resources did you use on campus that made um, paying for college a lot easier? Yeah, I will say first, I think I am very, very grateful that um, I was able to receive such good financial aid that was, you know, like need-based um, and I know that not every state or not every college has like robust financial aid programs. So a lot of it was just like, I got very lucky that I went to a school that had that. Um, but beyond that, um, when I was in community college, they had a, their own scholarship foundation that had like millions of dollars in found, uh, scholarships. But the professors would keep telling us, you guys need to apply because every year so much money goes unawarded because no one would apply for them. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was a huge problem. And I'm like, that's such a weird problem to have that you have money that they want to give to you, but not enough students are applying. So this one day in my senior year, or not senior year, sorry, my like last year of CC. I went to the scholarships office. I picked up 15 different applications for 15 different scholarships and I applied mm -hmm. to all of them. Um, and luckily most of them had very similar requirements like an essay about leadership or like, you know, things like that. So I didn't mm -hmm. have to like keep writing new essays or anything like that. I ended up getting, I think five of them and it was about $6,000. Oh, wow. So, wow. Right? Okay. <laughs> It was amazing. I was so happy that I, 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 you know, took the chance and I applied when I could have just not done that, not put in that like bit of effort, or maybe if I had thought I'm not going to qualify, so I'm not going to do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's a huge thing. I think so many, especially first generation and students of color, imposter syndrome can set in and you might feel like you don't qualify for things. Yeah. But the way I think about it, if you don't apply, your chance is 0%, like literally 0%. You just yeah. won't get it because you didn't apply. If you apply, maybe I think your chance at least goes up to 1%. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 
like you have a chance to begin with. So um, that's what I did in community college. Um, so I graduated with a bit of money that I used to pay rent once I got to Berkeley. Um, once I was, um, you know, at Cal, um, they also, so I mentioned EOP earlier, they had all these mini grants that I applied for and they ranged from like $500, $1,000, $1,500. So like there was a range of them. I applied to basically anything I qualified for. Like that was my goal. If it's available, if it's like open to me, I'm applying for it. So I applied yeah. to tons of those. Um, I also, there were very few things I have done in college that were unpaid because I can't afford to do unpaid things, right? Like mm -hmm. unpaid internships are not something that I, um, and many other low-income folks can afford to do. And yeah. so um, I would always try to find on-campus opportunities that, that are paid. So like I did a research uh, position with a professor that I got money for. Uh, I was a teaching assistant. I, I got paid for that. Um, Berkeley also, I like applied for this $2,000 um, like basically a scholarship that paid for my summer internship. So even though my actual summer internship was unpaid, it was at the mayor's office, um, Berkeley paid for me to be there. And wow. yes, $2,000 isn't much, but it's better than nothing. Yeah. And it helped me pay for like gas and food for the summer. So yeah. um, I would say the general theme here is like scraping together money from different sources to make it work. Um, and I think this is especially difficult for um, I want to put like highlight specifically undocumented immigrants because yeah. like you can't go work at Starbucks if you don't have a work permit right so yeah. you have to be extra resourceful and find opportunities that are open to you despite like work authorized so um, if any undocumented folks are listening just know that there are opportunities available and and it's so it's sad to say but you just have to work a little bit harder for it and look yeah. a little bit harder for them yeah oh, you were dropping such gems here oh my gosh like and it's funny that you said what you said in the beginning about scholarships because my professor um literally said the same thing like there are so many scholarships out there but people feel like oh I don't think I'm gonna get it or they don't even like tap into it that so much money is unawarded and it's like you really like Michael Scott said it like you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. And that is so true. Yes. So even if like, just just apply, like, you like, just just do it. And I know it seems like a little daunting, like, oh, like, it's such a big reward or like, oh, there's many there's thousands of people in my college, like, how would they pick me? Like, you will be surprised. Like, there's so many people that don't even like, realize that they're there. So exactly. definitely just give it a try. The worst you'll get is a no. And that's okay. Because every year or every week, every day, there's a scholarship for so many different things. So for sure. Exactly. And you were talking about imposter syndrome, actually. And that is one of my last questions for you. So imposter syndrome, for those who don't know, or imposterism, it's not like a disease or anything like that. It's when you feel like you don't belong in a certain place, position, job, or you basically feel like a fraud. Like if I'm, oh, before you know, people are going to find out that I actually don't belong here. And it especially affects people of color or first-generation students, low-income students, because you're around majority white people or you're in a majority white profession. Um, 
or a very wealthy profession, a very wealthy place. So you automatically feel out of place. So what advice would you give for someone who is a first-generation student feeling like an imposter and how they can take care of their mental health? Surround yourself with people who make you feel like you're home, especially mm-hmm. if you go to um, a college that is like no one around you looks like you or come from your socioeconomic background. And so for me at Berkeley, like I was able to find friends who made me feel like I was home, right? So like my, mm-hmm. all of my roommates were transfer students. So like they also transferred from community college. So that helped me like kind of foster a little community. A lot of my friends were either immigrants or children of immigrants. I think that helped me feel like, okay, no, like yeah. there are people here who come from my background. A lot of my friends were low income, uh, working like part-time to afford rent and financial aid, just like I was. And so when you surround yourself with people who kind of come from your background and then they tell you something like, oh my God, I'm so dumb or I don't belong here. And you might be thinking, what do you mean you don't belong here? Of course you do you are so deserving of everything you have and I think that's what made me realize wait I I, the same goes for me like how am I different from the people that I surround myself with I'm not so I think in the process of like seeing how much I admire and respect my friends who had very similar backgrounds to me I kind of grew to like admire and respect myself um and that doesn't come easily. And I think I still struggle with it, especially at Harvard, where really no one looks like me or come from my background yeah. by a long shot. Like Berkeley wasn't that terrible because it's still a public university. It's in a pretty diverse part of California. Um, there are tons of people from all sorts of different background. I think at Harvard, you really don't see that much diversity. So something that I'm still working on, but I want people to know the admissions st- uh, committee did not make it wrong. They, they didn't make a mistake. They yeah. weren't wrong. They didn't mess up. They didn't accidentally accept you. None of that happened. You got in because they looked at your application and they decided this student is going to be successful at our institution. They belong here and therefore we're going to accept them yeah. here. You absolutely belong in whatever space you're a part of and you deserve to take up space. Um, and don't ever doubt that. And just keep telling yourself that, even if you don't believe it. Like, seriously, just repeat yeah. it to yourself like a mantra. One day, I hope you do believe it because it's true. Yes. Girl, I think you're talking to me because I'm like, yes, I do belong. <laughs> like, ugh, it's so true. And it, I definitely feel the same way now. I'm, I'm still an undergrad, but, and I'm not with my school's majority like people of color but still I do feel that way because I'm like people are so smart and they're Mm -hmm. studying and they have their life on track but like that's not true like (laughs) everyone's still trying to figure it out and it's comes and goes I think people think like oh I mean I just felt this way once or when I got in like don't be surprised if you if it comes and goes if you feel again when you're a sophomore if you're a junior when you're a senior even when you're a graduate student or even when you're working it's just something that um just will keep coming back but keep on combating that like like she said with the mantras keep reminding yourself like I do belong here and look at far you've come you know even if you're not even in college yet like 
look how far in your high school experience you have gone like high school is not easy college is not easy even though people make it seem like oh you're just doing kids play it's whatever no it's not because if it was everyone would be doing it like it's not so look how far you've come you have accomplished so much you have done a lot of things even like if it was just passing by like you still passes passing is passing so definitely Mm -hmm. Be proud of how far you've come and remind yourself like you belong here. They didn't make a mistake. No matter how you, what you look like, where you come from, if a place accepted you, 10 out of 10, you belong there. So, yes, um, I love that. Um, that's a really good point, Rachel. I think people are so quick to diminish their accomplishments, right? Yeah. Um, do not diminish your accomplishments. Um, I think especially, and I've re- I sort of realized this, and I didn't know this in high school, but now that I work with like young students, like high school students, um, well, they'll tell me, they're like, I have, I don't do anything outside of classes. Like, I don't know what to put in my extracurricular section for the college application. And I was like, okay, tell me everything that you do. And then they will be like, well, you know, like I go home, I take the bus home and I take care of my siblings and I help my parents interpret and translate all these documents. I help them with their doctor's appointment and their lawyer's mm-hmm. appointment. And like a huge list of like things that are very much in the realm of like professional experience or extracurricular activities. And they don't see it that way because I think in our, the way we have created or like branded extracurricular activities, I think people think it only counts if it's a fancy internship or you're volunteering or it's a job that you apply for. No, those are just some examples of extracurricular activities. Those are some examples of accomplishments. Accomplishments can be so much more than that. The fact that you take care of your family and, and now you've made it to college, that's an accomplishment. Yeah. Um, so think about, don't think about accomplishments in a very narrow way. Success can mean so many different things. Um, and, and I encourage people to like, be proud of where they come from and how far they have come, like you said, and where they're gonna go. Um, and is it okay if I talk a little bit about mental health? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure, girl. Okay, so I didn't realize until basically like last year that I really should go see a prof- like I need professional help. Like I should go see a therapist or a counselor or something. I should have realized that literally back in college, like in undergrad. Um, because I remember like my last semester of senior year, I was so stressed out because I had two jobs and I was like taking a full load of classes, trying to figure out what I'm going to do after graduation. Sometimes I would just like lie in bed and do nothing because I was so overwhelmed by everything I had to do. I should have realized then, I think in hindsight that like, I think something is wrong and maybe I should do something about this. I I, should have realized I deserve help Mm -hmm. and I didn't. And it wasn't until I think last semester, my first semester of law school, when I felt the same kind of like, I guess, symptoms coming back where I was just like completely exhausted and unmotivated that I finally realized, you know what? I'm gonna go see somebody and I'm gonna go get help because I deserve help. Um, and I don't have to live this way. And I think a lot of people go their lives living like that, not realizing that there are people who are very much trained to do this. Um, and so, yes, if you can, please go see a mental health professional. Most colleges have on-campus counselors and therapists yeah. and like social workers to work with you. 
go make an appointment with them. If you have health insurance, it should be covering that. Um, and if that's not a possibility at all, there are online options um, that are, I would say, fairly affordable. So yeah. definitely look into what your options are when it comes to mental health. Oh, that's such an amazing point. Like, listen to your body, y'all. If you feel like crap, like all the time stressed out, you feel overwhelmed or unmotivated, find someone, a professional to talk about it. You do not need to have like a mental, like, disorder to be able to get a therapist like I have a therapist as well I don't have anxiety or depression or anything but I I overthink a lot I tend to get very overwhelmed with all that I'm doing and it's so helpful to talk to someone about it to think oh wow I thought this way because of what happened to me when I was 10 or something like that like to just realize things about um, your past and how it influences your choices now and it's not an easy thing. I think people make it seem like, oh, okay, I talked for one session and I'm I'm free of my trauma or I'm free of like my stress. And it's like, no, like therapy is work. Like it's a commitment every day to be as vulnerable as you can to heal. And healing is not an easy thing, but it is so worth it when once you go through it. So Yes, counseling centers are in all colleges. Every college has some type of counseling center. So um, when you're ready, definitely tap into those resources. You could even, if you don't even want to talk to anybody, you could journal, write however you feel. You could just do stuff you enjoy, do some yoga or talk to yourself. I don't know, like whatever makes you happy, but definitely pay attention to your mental health because especially being a person of color or first gen or low income, balancing jobs, balancing other things, like it's like you tend to forget that your mind has to take all all those things. So definitely, like Arabi said, please take care of your mental health for sure. Mm-hmm. Yes, that is basically like all my questions. Is there anything like before we go any last minute? advice you want to tell anyone who is a freshman gen student right now or who's about to be one soon I think I would say there are some people in this world and like no shade to them or like no fault of their own I think a lot of people in like higher ed have been groomed since birth to be in college like they knew basically as like their earliest memory as of you know like they knew they were going to go to college and like that was never something they had to question because their parents went to college maybe their grandparents did everyone around them their network right the built-in network that we all have is full of college graduates I think for many many first generation students for low-income people for people of color just like kind of you know um people from all sorts of different diverse backgrounds that's not the case I didn't grow up knowing, like grow up in the United States, knowing any college graduates, everyone around me, my, my parents, my parents, friends, our family, friends, everyone, my friends, parents, everyone's parents and like families were all blue collar workers. And so like, I have never seen anything beyond that. I didn't know any professionals, people who are doctors and lawyers and engineers and all of these things. And so that path to get to where I am now, like in law school, studying to be a lawyer, it's hard to do that when you don't see people like that around you, Mm -hmm. but you should never 
let that hold you back. And if things feel very like, if you feel unmotivated or like you kind of feel discouraged, think about how you're going to be the first, right? Mm -hmm. And because you're the first, someone else doesn't have to be the first. Like you're paving the path for so many other people. Um, That's what I tell myself when I'm feeling really discouraged. And when I'm feeling like, why am I here? What's the point of law school? I think about how much easier it will be for like, the people who come after me to go to law school because I have paved the way for them. So yeah, I would say yeah. that's my final final advice about being first gen. Oh, wow. I, I'm not even going to add to that because that was a gem right there. And yeah, that's basically all my questions. Thank you so much for joining me, Arabi. Like you really dropped so many gems. I could fill a treasure chest right now. Like Thank you so much. How can the people find and support you and also talk a little bit about Fresh Gen Empower and how can how people can tap into that? Yeah, so I am the, like Rachel mentioned earlier, I am the founder and co-director of Fresh Gen Empower. It's a nonprofit that helps um, mostly high school students, but also we are definitely expanding into like college, like for college students as well. We help prepare people for college and for just really life after high school. So whether that be community college or trade school, or you want to get uh, an internship, you wanna go to college, financial aid scholarships, really like all of the big topics that I think a lot of first generation students struggle with, we provide resources for that. So we um, have workshops every week. Um, We're gonna do a whole summer series over the summer to help prepare people for college. Um, And it's open to everybody. It's totally free. All of our resources are always free. And people can find us at firstgenempower.com. We're also on Instagram um, and our handle is at firstgenempowerment. So there's a it's empowerment, the, the forward. Um, and yeah, so I would say that's the best way to get in touch with me because I am part of it and I run a lot of the workshops. So if you ever have any questions, please like DM us or email us and um, one of us is going to get back to you. But if you specifically want to talk to me, just like, drop my name and I will make sure I see it. Yes, y'all, like their Instagram account is fire. Like they actually have so many workshops, so many resources on there. And if that, that is a lot, but then they got the website, then they got their newsletter. They have a lot of different things for you all. So definitely tap into that. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Thank you so much, Arabi, for joining me. Thank you for having me, Rachel. This was so nice. All right, y'all. It's time for the culture shout out. And I actually have two today because they are both really amazing. So the first shout out goes to First Gen Empower which was founded by Arabi Hassan, who you just heard drop some amazing gems today. So First Gen Empower is a nonprofit organization whose goal is to provide high quality information about college, financial aid, extracurricular activities, and career opportunities to first generation, low income, and undocumented students in California. Their mission is to ensure that every student feels boundless in pursuing opportunities after high school. 
They do this by providing free resources, leadership training, online advising, an essay editing program, and virtual workshops to high school students. And they also partner with underserved high schools and offer peer counseling and educator training programs. Y'all, y'all, y'all heard Arabi speak today. So that should already tell you that they're already doing the Lord's work. Like they are um, offering so many amazing resources and they're all free, which is super amazing. And they're helping so many students in California. And because a lot of the resources are virtual, they're also helping so many students around the country as well. So if you're about to be a first generation college student, then definitely check out their resources. Go to firstgenempower.com and y'all check out their Instagram. I love it. The aesthetic is amazing. The content, super amazing. Everything they post is amazing. So check out their Instagram at firstgenempowerment and also check out their Twitter at firstgenempower for amazing resources and content. And the second and last culture shout out for today goes to Jewel in Focus. So Jewel in Focus was created by a talented black woman named Jewel, who is a photographer and videographer located in Chicago. And they also offer video editing and flyer design. And she specializes in portraits and events like birthdays, graduations, and so much more. So if you are having a COVID safe, y'all, COVID safe event coming up, or you just want to have a cute photo shoot for yourself, then definitely check out Jewel in Focus by going to their website at jewelinfocus.com and following her Instagram at jewelinfocus. And they are also on Twitter and Facebook. So definitely check it out. She knows how to take photos for real. And if you want to shout out, feel free to hit me up on Instagram at College for the Culture and you could be featured next time. tuning in if you liked what you heard subscribe to the podcast and give us a five-star rating and review we'd really appreciate it if you do for more content or suggestions on what to talk about next follow us on ig at college for the culture and if you want to consult with me about anything college related email me at college for the culture at gmail.com take care of yourselves god bless y'all and don't forget that we see y'all And we got y'all. Bye.